what it do we're back with the Christomathic podcast and today we're gonna be talking about probiotics uh i guess a little bit more specifically we're talking about just kind of like naturally occurring probiotics not so much the pill form because uh dj you want to talk about that yeah um there's been a lot of research done with like the mayo or mayo clinic and what they've been talking about is this idea that i think i've heard differing numbers but there's hundreds if not up to like a thousand different bacteria in like our kind of like our microbiome is what it's called um mainly centered in our gut but throughout our whole body and so what the problem is a lot of times with these um like probiotic pills is that um sometimes they only provide certain uh, bacteria well a pre firstly a prebiotic and a probiotic are two separate things a prebiotic is a food for the uh, certain bacteria in our gut uh so different uh prebiotic is uh, described as um either a food or a supplement that gives food that uh our bacteria uses for energy and our positive bacteria uses for energy. And a probiotic is something that contains the living bacteria, which we then put into our body to help supplement our other bacteria. But the problem a lot of times with these pills, it, the probiotic pills, they only have a couple of these, uh, like these bacteria, which you think about having a microbiome of up to a thousand different bacteria which help with different parts two or three or even 10 of them aren't going to help very much and also there's not very strict regulations with pre or probiotics by the fda so what we're going to be talking about a lot is um there are certain uh diseases and disorders where uh, the clinic said that they will administer uh, probiotics, especially sometimes with uh, different types of medications and treatments as like a supplement to that. What they said is outstandingly really focus on getting it from your diet because that's a much broader way to um, benefit your microbiome in a much more natural way as opposed to these supplements, which don't always work super well because they're not as regulated as some other medication. Yeah, and if you think about a the supplement just kind of on a, I, I don't know if you just think about it from like, if you, in if you just add something artificially to your environment your your gut environment, it probably won't thrive, because uh, I, I don't know you're not giving it like the specific prebiotic that it needs, but if you're to eat a fermented food then it's coming along with the f the food that it grew up on so if you're regularly eating fermented foods then you're getting a good amount of and a, a good amount and a very diverse uh population of bacteria but then you're also giving them like the food that they exactly need so it's yeah, just their their success is more guaranteed. If you think about one of the things that happens um, in like Eastern cultures is kimchi, which is fermented cabbage. So what they do is, I don't know the exact process, but they leave cabbage out for a certain amount of time. And when it turns to kimchi, there are those bacteria living on it. 
So what that means is um, outside of your body, they have the uh, their necessary food and there's a multitude of them growing. Like Evan was saying, they have all their food supply and they're naturally growing. So when you eat that kimchi, you add all of those bacteria with all of that uh, sustenance to your microbiome. Whereas if you, when you take a pill, like also like he was saying, it's not going to have that full, uh, like full coverage almost that you'll get from eating them naturally. Yeah. And if you think about it, there's probably a lot of kind of like symbiotic relationships between the bacteria. So having just like one or two strains in isolation uh, just really doesn't guarantee their survival in your stomach. Um, but whereas in like kimchi, there's probably a whole bunch of symbiotic things that form a really uh, good relationship with each other. And it's just, it's like pretty much guaranteed that that's going to help your gut. Yeah. And I've, you talk about kimchi, but pretty much every culture kind of has their own fermented food. So like uh, Asian cultures have kimchi and then kind of European cultures have like sauerkraut. Um, and then we have like pickles. You can ferment like literally any kind of vegetable pretty much as long as it's like a, a more fibrous vegetable. So like peppers you can ferment them and frequently hot sauces are fermented um asparagus green beans uh just about anything and it's like super easy to do all you do is you make like a brine which is basically just vinegar water and some salt and then you put the vegetables in there and because it's uh super salty and vinegary only like the beneficial bacteria like the bacteria so it's, if it's uh, if it's not acidic, then it's going to get moldy. But because it's acidic, that's kind of replicating the environment of your gut because you have stomach acid and that kind of stuff. So pretty much the only bacteria that's going to survive is going to be like the lactobacteria that naturally occurs on the plant. Um, and yeah, so it's just like, it just makes perfect sense. And it's like one of the best way to preserve plants as well. Yeah. And one of the things uh, I guess we should probably say is um, there are more like bacteria in your body than there are cells in your body. I think they, it's like incredible. It it's like, it's like a nine to one ratio. Like you have nine bacteria in your body for every one human cell or something like that. Yeah, so when we're talking, they also one of the things that research has shown is our stomach, our intestinal and our digestive processes don't have um, all of the needed like ability to uh, remove the nutrients from our food and use it in our body. So one of the like most prominent thing this like gut microbiome does, these bacteria do is they, they do that for us. That's the... Um, their uh, support of the symbiotic relationship. So we give them uh, certain foods that feed them, and then they give us certain nutrients from those foods that we can't get by ourselves. Yeah. And go ahead. There are uh, just one last thing is there are good and bad ones. 
one of the ones that happens a lot is with the idea of sugar there um sugar does what i was hearing is sugar doesn't um most sugar doesn't get uh super far in our digestive system because a lot of the times there's a uh, bacteria in our mouth in our throat which absorb the sugar and release an acidic uh type uh like element or compound which can damage our teeth which is why a lot of dentists and oral hygiene based uh professionals are kind of um more uh, against a high sugar diet yeah so we were talking about like the gut microbiome but you have you also have a mouth micro <clears throat> microbiome your uh pretty much your whole digestive tract each stage has its own little microbiome <clears throat> and your mouth in particular is one that kind of gets overlooked so you have uh just like anywhere else you have good and bad bacteria and your mouth is like the most susceptible to getting bad bacteria because we're always so yeah we're always like that's the point of entry for all of our food hopefully um so it's really easy for it to get kind of overwhelmed with bad bacteria um so it's uh it's important to consider that aspect also um there's now that people are making like probiotic toothpaste and that kind of stuff um you can even make your own you can look up recipes and that kind of stuff uh I won't go into too much detail about that, but I encourage you to look it up because there's a whole lot of stuff in the dental industry that's kind of uh, not not the whole truth, I guess. It's kind of a, a, a little bit of a scam. Uh, but yeah, let's continue with uh, this idea of like fermented foods. So... I think it's been shown that there's also like not only is there a link between like getting proper nutrition and uh having a good gut microbiome but there's also a link between like behavior and the gut microbiome. I think they've shown that through like specific probiotic treatments uh autism can be helped with uh kind of restoring a gut microbiome yeah and i i've heard a lot about um and i'm not sure how much research is done with cause like or effect but depressive symptoms even some cases of anxiety and even some diseases will really really off put your gut microbiome and it's even believed in some cases that that can be the cause of certain ailments is your uh having like an off gut microbiome and of course any doctor would say that this wouldn't be like the sole treatment a lot of the times but it can definitely be a very healthy and helpful treatment to a lot of these things that people suffer from like daily and also one of the one thing that they uh, some of the researchers from the clinic were talking about is the idea of stress stress can be something that can really really offset your gut microbiome and can uh, really, really have a lot of adverse effects 
to your body. I read a book not too long ago called The Upside of Stress. Um, really good book. I encourage everyone to read it. Uh, and it talks about how all the studies done about stress have found a link between stress and well-being. But the only link they've found is that if a person is told or truly believes that stress the, the, the stress that they're feeling is a bad thing, then it's detrimental. But when they trained people to view their stress as just a natural response um, and not a bad thing, then it actually didn't have any negative effects or it was like dramatically reduced how much effect it had on them. So, yes, I do think uh, so a lot of people are really stressed out, um, but... I think if you uh, practice this kind of mindfulness, which is kind of the training that they talked about, where uh, nothing is inherently good or bad, it's just kind of, uh, it's what's happening right now, um, and it, if you call it good or bad, you're assigning labels to it, and that's not the goal. The goal is just to experience. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, my, my yeah, take I on that thing. I w I've listened to a couple of talks about stress as well, and I pretty much the same thing is what they talked a lot about is uh, like the exact same thing. The idea of the problem with stress is a lot of the, the ideas uh, correlated with it. And if when people view it as like a negative and they say like they're very stressed out, it's the same thing as almost like any emotion. If you view anything as a negative, it's going to have negative impacts. And one of the biggest impacts of stress can be uh, not sleeping, again, due to that yeah. view of it and anxiety that can be caused. So like um, exactly what you were saying, there's a lot of evidence that is really based on your perception of the stress. And of course, uh, there are some things that are pushing, like it's, there's some things where I don't want to say the stress is justified, but if you're not getting like a healthy amount of sleep or if you're not having any time to rest of course that's a situation where the stress might be justified to be like a seen as a negative thing but of course with the whole idea of mindfulness it's really trying to almost have a third person perspective to what's going on in your life and in these like these emotions so yeah exactly what evan was saying about this idea that a lot of it's based on perception as opposed to the feeling of stress itself yeah and this isn't to invalidate how anyone's feeling it's just to uh, kind of draw to mind that stress is a natural body. Uh, it's just a it's just a natural reaction to things. Just like we feel uh, full when we eat a bunch, and we feel happy when something good happens. And it's like, yeah, there. When it's just a natural thing that happens and you wouldn't you wouldn't try to stop something good from happening so why would you try to stop something bad from happening is kind of how i feel about the subject uh but beyond that it's about if something good or something bad happens it doesn't matter because it's exactly what was supposed to happen in this moment yeah, and I think of it similarly to anxiety a lot of the times. Like anxiety, uh, when it's controlled, 
is a very, very healthy thing to have. Like if you walk up to the edge of a cliff and you feel slightly anxious, that's a very healthy response because you are in some level of danger. Or if you're going too fast in a car and you feel slightly anxious, that's a pretty healthy response. And the same thing with stress, some level of stress and your uh, ability to, I, I don't want to say control stress, but your ability to cope with stress is the bigger thing. Because with the example of anxiety, panic attacks are not like healthy. Not being able to speak in front of crowds is not like a healthy thing to have happen. And it's the same thing with stress. Stress is a healthy thing when you're able to cope and control with it or control it. So yeah, exactly what Evan was saying. It's it's really, really based around uh, your view of it. And as long as it's not like controlling you, which again, at that point might not be the stress. Of course, if you're in a bad situation, it could be. But a lot of times it's the kind of perception of the stress. Yeah, I think, well, I might be a little bit biased on this, but there's kind of this common saying that it's like, all growth happens outside of the comfort zone. And I've come to like truly believe that. Um, and even if it's and, and out of the comfort zone doesn't mean you're in pain. Uh, like I, I think I brought up in a previous episode talking about Henry David Thoreau and how he would like go and sit on his porch for a whole day. Um, and that is an uncomfortable thing because our our mind really wants to be stimulated constantly. So it's uncomfortable to kind of force yourself to slow down sometimes. So uncomfortable doesn't mean painful. It doesn't mean like you're going to the gym and you're getting ripped. Um, but stress is how you grow in any way. Like you have to stress something in order to grow. So if we are obsessed with eliminating all stress, then we're also getting rid of like all of our opportunities to grow kind of. Mm -hmm. And I think of that, the idea of like the discomfort as well. If we're talking about pro-life, it's not the easiest thing and the most comfortable thing to cook your own food. And sometimes it, you kind of have to get past the looks of your food and the fact that it's not going to be, maybe super sugary or super processed. But like uh, Evan was saying, that discomfort of kind of pushing yourself to do that a little bit is definitely like an example of healthy stress. Like uh, like I was saying, not being super com wanting to just maybe get fast food or something, but instead cooking your own food. That's an example of like a healthy stressor. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to think about and explore mentally yeah and this idea of slowing down is like oh it's just one of the most important things with this quarantine i've been able to like get up every morning and spend I, I usually go and i meditate for a bit and i do some yoga and then i spend like a half an hour cooking a really nice breakfast and i don't check my phone until like nine o'clock and it's just so nice to not to just exist for a while and not have to be elsewhere with my mind um but yeah i think one of the the best things about doing probiotics is you can go to a store and you can buy it like you can buy sauerkraut and that kind of stuff but it's so easy for you to make it 
yourself that I would I would really encourage people to make it yourself just because it's really easy. And if that is like the only thing you cook in a week, then that is a really good step because it's something that's going to make you healthier physically. And uh, it might help you with your depression because it's like restoring your uh, gut microbiome. But also from like a mindfulness and just a, like a mental perspective, kind of like forcing yourself to just cook and not like have the TV going in the background. That's something that I've been trying to like retrain myself is to just do one thing at a time and like truly do it. So frequently people will like, I see people that are watching TV and they also have their phones up. Um, and it's just like, if you're going to watch TV, just watch the TV and don't go like back and forth between two things. Or people will be like cooking and they're also watching TV in the background and they're missing out on some of the joy of the cooking because their attention is elsewhere. So I think because fermented foods are super easy to make, not a lot of time, it's really possible for anyone to just stop what they're doing and truly be just a cook for a while and just make this one thing and give it your undivided attention. Yeah. And I think with the example of like depression, because there's a lot of studies have linked depression to a like unhealthy uh, gut microbiome. And I don't know if they have the experimental evidence to say cause and effect on this, whether or not uh, that's an effect of depression or a cause of depression, but either way, uh, even if it is an effect of depression and not the cause of it, uh, having a healthier diet and having those like healthy probiotics and starting uh, one of the cool things is they've evidence have show like uh, studies have shown that within like the day of switching your diet, you can already start to see uh, positive effects or negative effects in your gut microbiome. So that idea that even if it is an effective depression and it might not cure the depression, you're going to be healthier and feel better and you're going to have a healthier digestive system and you're going to be getting those nutrients that you need. So whether or not it is the cause or the effect doing this and working with these probiotics is going to help in some way. And if it is the cause, of course, that'd be the optimal thing because it could also help with depression. Um, but even like I was saying, even if it is an effect, that's just, uh, working with, uh, getting rid of some of these symptoms of it and really just making like a, you a healthier person overall. Yeah. We talked about when we talked about diet kind of being in the middle and when you, when you eat like a bunch of fat, fast food and it's really processed, then you're on kind of one extreme. And if you're eating only like raw food, then you're on the other end. Um, but uh, these like fermented foods are kind of in the middle because they're they they're not just in the middle from like a process perspective because they're sort of processed they've been fermented but they're also like gonna be kind of a they're almost like a buffer sort of where they like we in uh, chemistry you have this idea of a buffer where it can like uh, absorb a certain amount of acid or neutralize a certain amount of acid to keep your body at like a healthy 
like in our in our bodies, we have a whole bunch of buffers. So we have like a really big store of calcium in our bones that we can use to neutralize acids so that our blood doesn't become too acidic. Um, and if you build up a really uh, good store, like if you're eating probiotic probiotic rich food every day, then you're building up a really good store of this, um, these bacteria so that if you do want to splurge every once in a while uh, and have some more unhealthy food, then you're going to be able to better cope with it likely. Yeah, I think that comes to the kind of saying everything in moderation, which uh, the level of moderation for some things is extremely, extremely moderate. So almost never. But of course, with something like uh, having a cheat day or something like that, like Evan was saying, uh, as, uh, especially when you start uh, not making a cheat day every day and you start having like that healthier microbiome, you're going to be able to feel better. And also you're going to be able to have those days and you don't have to feel guilty about them because you've given your body all the right tools to kind of deal with those days. Then um, you're still you're building healthier, healthier habits all the other days. And that's yeah, a, you don't. That's the you talked about guilt, and that's a big thing um, about this whole idea of cheat days. Like when somebody feels guilty that they have like one cookie or something, then then they're like, oh well, my diet is ruined, so I might as well just like completely eat a whole tub of ice cream and a whole pizza now. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest things that I think needs to be eliminated is this like guilt about eating poorly because I food makes you feel good and certain foods make you feel better than others. Uh, so to say you're never allowed to have this is just a really bad thing to do. And to feel guilty when you do eat it is an even worse thing to do. What's better to do is just say, Oh, I'm going to have this one cookie and this is okay. And then you don't get upset about it and you don't like have the, all the extra stuff. Cause you haven't like given up. You should just be, uh, it's another one of those kind of mindfulness things where just like, accept what happens, maybe aspire to change things, but letting go of your, your, your feelings of guilt and your, I guess your desire to be perfect is a really important thing. Yeah. I think one of the, like healthiest ways to diet both mentally and physically is to start slowly moderating things you habitually or even addictively eat. So it's like maybe the idea of like, uh, let's say you drink diet pop, maybe slowly weaning off to normal pop even. And some people will say like, well, pop's bad. You shouldn't drink it at all. Well, I mean, if you're looking at it like an optimal diet, that's probably true. But of course, we're not machines, we're people. So uh, there's some reason you're drinking the pop, you might have some habit, or it might just it might just be a like source of enjoyment for you. So this idea of like what Evan was saying, you don't have to feel so guilty about it. But do your yeah, it's like it's the whole idea of it's not where you're at, it's where you're going. So it doesn't matter uh, if you'll be there next week or at the beginning of next year, where you'll be where you want to be. But it's much, it's a much smarter and healthier thing to do a sustainable, uh, positive diet, as opposed to a very fluctuating, like, cut everything I like out, do that for a week, 
have a cheat day, hate myself, and then get off the diet and then do it again next month, which is kind of which pushed a lot now days, which isn't super healthy. Yeah. So we talked about how it can help with uh, getting nutrients. Uh, and we talked about how it can kind of be like, uh, it can help us slow down a little bit to make it. Um, and another thing that I've heard, I, I, I haven't seen any like formal research on this, but I've heard that like eating probiotics or naturally fermented foods um, can kind of help with some food sensitivities. So I guess what some people believe is that our, a lot of, so many people have like celiac disease or gluten intolerance because the, the way bread is made nowadays is with like industrial yeast. Um, and everything's just like super sterile and industrial and just not natural. It's artificial. Um, so some people have tried using, uh, sourdough bread and they're able to tolerate the gluten and the wheat that way because it's a natural fermentation. Um, so I encourage you to experiment with all these different fermented foods because there's so many different kinds. And although you're not getting probiotics with, uh, with a sourdough bread because you bake it and the bacteria die, um, they still do benefit before it's baked. Um, and with stuff like, uh, I guess, uh, beer is also a fermented food, although alcohol probably isn't one of the healthiest things. It's probably all right in moderation. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a whole I bunch for of fermented th kombucha. I really like kombucha and that's super easy to make. Isn't that the scooby? Is that scoby. what that's? The... Yeah. It, all you have to do is get a scoby. If you have, uh, if you know anyone who makes kombucha or if you have a brewery in your area that makes kombucha, just ask them for a piece of their scoby because it will continue to replicate. And if they don't get rid of it, they're just going to have to it's just going to like overwhelm them. So they're, they'd probably be glad to get rid of some of it. Um, and does that like, how long does it last like practically forever or how long can you keep using like a similar one as it's like replicating? Uh, a SCOBY, if it's fed can be used indefinitely. Um, and even if you don't feed it, it'll last for probably about a year without feeding. So it's like, it's something that you can really do. If you want to have kombucha regularly, you do have to pay attention to it, but it's really easy. You just brew some sweet tea and then you pour it in there and then you let it go for a couple of weeks until it tastes good. Then you put it in bottles and you put whatever flavor you want and then you have kombucha. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. There's like, and then there's the whole yogurt side of things where different fermented uh, milk products. So you have like blue cheeses and kefir and yogurt and all these different things and then you have the fermented veggies um so you can do pickles and asparagus and green beans and cabbage and all these different things and they they're all really good in my opinion some people don't care for them much but i guess it's kind of an acquired taste mm -hmm. i think it's a lot of like a lot of what we eat is 
also mental at some or and also like what we've we, a lot of us have been raised with very processed and like sugary diets so we're uh, more drawn towards those type of foods so some like i i personally like a lot of the fermented foods but i didn't used to it took a little bit of trial and error and then finding one i liked and then the more i ate that the more it, like i when i went to vietnam i ate a lot of the kimchi and just found i liked that a lot and so um it's something that looking at it and just hearing it's one of the things you almost have to eat before you figure out how it's made cuz for some, i know for some people that can be a little off putting that there's even though we have so many bacteria in us that there's like stuff growing on it and even though that stuff's everywhere yeah um yeah when i started making kombucha i really i was like ooh this is super vinegary um but now i can like hardly stand the stuff that they have at the stores because now that's too sweet for me uh but yeah the stuff the when you make kombucha uh a, a word of warning is that it does have naturally occurring alcohol in it it rarely gets above 1% but if you are abstaining from alcohol for religious reasons or other then maybe you want to avoid that but yeah kombucha i thought it was like super vinegary and now i just let it go for like 3 weeks and it's just like straight vinegar but it's like my favorite thing yeah um and i one of the things we were talking about one of the treatments that's used for uh i believe it's c diff colitis is it's a fecal transplant which yes is exactly what it sounds like they take stool from a healthy gut microbiome and they insert it into the colon or they use it in pill form and use it orally which is not the most appetizing thing to think about but basically the goal of that is that introduction of a healthy gut microbiome almost instantly uh starts to improve the gut microbiome of the person suffering from uh I don't know if it's disease I believe it's a disease or it might just be it might just be a virus but um that's pretty cool evidence as well to how effective a healthy gut microbiome can be um and there's also research showing that you can almost immediately start the process of uh generating a better gut microbiome within like a day or two of switching your diet to a healthier one Yeah and like we said it's we don't know if it's a cause and effect but I tend to believe that a lot of uh I don't know just uh maladies that people have can be uh improved because or are caused because they have uh, certain nutritional deficiencies and it's not like a drastic deficiency where they're like super anemic but uh just like these little micronutrients that they're maybe not getting because they're their biome is a little bit off kilter cuz they're not eating a a well balanced diet they're not feeding they're they're trying to feed their minds they're not trying to feed their guts um so the addition of probiotic food is something that i think everyone should seriously consider yeah same here it's there's as long as there of course it's one of those things if you suffer from certain like disorders or intolerances of course do your own research and talk to your doctor they're very 
it's definitely in a vast minority, but there are certain cases where especially probiotic supplements um, can be uh, dangerous as opposed to helpful. But the vast, vast majority of the time, given you're not, I guess, allergic to certain of these foods, they're almost always, and when I say almost always, the 99.9% of the time, they offer a healthy like benefit to your digestive system and your gut microbiome. So there's very, the only real downside I would say is uh, the possibility of having to cook your own food, which again, with the idea of mindfulness, it's a very health, like healthy thing. Um, but it's also, like Evan was saying, it can be an acquired taste for some of these foods, but it's well worth it in the long run. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that it will do it for today. So thanks for tuning in and we will catch you on the flip flop.